Welcome to another podcast in the Network Better series, based around the book by Jeremy Marchant. Myself, Dave Harris, and Jeremy are discussing various aspects of networking, how we can do it better. And in a previous podcast, Jeremy told us all about the importance of stories and why they matter so much and how important and how effective they can be in a networking context. But today we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that and talk about the structure of the story itself and why that matters and how that helps to tell a better story. Have I, is that a good way of summarising it, Jeremy? Yes, I think the more structure you have, the, the more compelling the story is. Also, the shorter it is in terms of seconds, and in a networking event, you you have to get your message across quickly. You know, some people I've listened to have really rambled, and it becomes counterproductive in the end, uh, because the listener just wonders when they're ever going to get to the point. So, what I'm going to talk about is a story structure, not the only one that you can have, but here is a story structure that works um, and is particularly appropriate for networking events where I believe the purpose of the story is to show the person who's listening how you help other people so that they can identify with the other people and imagine how you might help them. Well, that sounds like a good place to start. And, um, and presumably, before I, before I let you get into all of that structure and, and how helpful that can be, presumably there's an there's a, a assumption here that in order to tell that s- the story better and to tell it with that correct structure, it's, you need to think about this stuff a bit and you need to maybe even practice this stuff a bit. And, you know, it's, it's all very well having the story in your head, but clearly you've got to think, you know, what is the best way to structure it? What's the best way to do this? So in other words, you know, preparation. Absolutely. Um, I'm continually surprised that people I meet at networking events don't seem to treat going to a networking event as importantly as meeting a prospective client because for all they know there might be a prospective client in the networking event probably not but they don't know that my argument is that you should prepare for a networking event as much as you would prepare for a meeting with a prospective client and that means you have to know what stories you're going to tell you have to know how you're going to tell them you have to you have to have a rough outline or more than a rough outline of how the story goes without having to learn the story word for word because that would just become very banal but you're absolutely right preparation is essential people seem to forget that when they meet you at a networking event they may be assessing your professionalism and even if they're not going to employ you to tell a story to their clients or to their staff they're still going to notice if you don't do it well because they can only infer that if you can't do that then you're probably not going to be able to do anything more complicated or if maybe that's not true but if you if you if you don't give that as much attention as it deserves then you won't give your work for your clients as much attention as it deserves you know people you can't predict how people are going to extrapolate from the experience that they have of you and so it's best to come across as well as you can and getting your stories right is really easy because they should be things which are relevant for, to you. They may not be true stories about you and your business and your client, as we shall see elsewhere, I think, uh, when we tell about the two monks, but they could be things which are directly appropriate to the clients. So, in fact, metaphors are very powerful. That's why the Greeks had legends and the Romans had legends and you know, legends are a part of all customs and societies and cultures because actually they have truths in them which are told better 
for them being legends than for simply being about Mr and Mrs Smith down the road. That sounds good, and uh, let's face it, a story about Hercules is probably better than a story about me. Okay, so let's get into this issue of structure then. So... To start this, I'd like to tell you a story uh, because I'm going to use a particular story um, as an example of how to structure stories in a useful way. And before I tell you that story, I want to tell you another story. Um, don't worry, we won't be here all afternoon. But you need to know that when I was small, when I was five or six, seven, and I lived on a hill with my parents and my two brothers, in those days, it was so long ago that... Um, children were allowed out of the house by themselves without parental supervision and my mother used to let me play out in the street when I was at home which was fine the trouble was that there was an Alsatian lived in the house at the top of the road, number 12 and infrequently the Alsatian got out and was sort of wandering around the street Perhaps, you know, probably didn't happen more than half a dozen times a year, but it was it was the not knowing whether the dog was out, which was the worry. So that sort of put a dampener on my enjoyment. And unfortunately, there was a, an Alsatian at the bottom of the street, which also used to get out occasionally. So I sort of felt trapped between... I was, I was on this hill, halfway up the hill, and on the top of the hill there was a, a fierce dog, and on the bottom of the hill there was a fierce dog. And one day, um, maybe I ventured too far up the hill, or maybe the, the dog at the top of the hill uh, ventured too far down, and, and our paths crossed, and the dog showed an interest in me and started barking, and I ran screaming down the road, really frightened. And I ran all the way down the road to our house... My mother greeted me with the usual maternal, oh dear, what's the, what's the matter? And I said, well, it's this big dog. And my mother said, well, it's only a puppy. I'm sure it just wanted to play. And that was an insight into canine psychology, which I wasn't really appreciative of at the time. But it left a scar on me, on my mind. Literally, I, was, I had a real aversion to all dogs from that age on for a long time, maybe best part of 20 years really did avoidance tactics at all possible opportunities so anyway so that's the first story the second story is about when i was a barman and I, I regale you with these stories about when i was a barman as if it was the only cultural highlight of my life but um it did the bar the pub did actually provide me with a number of learning experiences which i benefited from and uh, in this pub there were three dogs owned by the the manager peter and these um these dogs were often allowed not in the not in the customer area but in the in the area behind the bar where all the boxes of crisps and things were stored and um Unfortunately, these dogs were Alsatians. Um, so you could imagine the um, agonies of apprehension that I had, because most of the time the dogs weren't there, but occasionally the dogs were there. Um, and, of course, then it, the, we talked about shame uh, before, and then I really felt that I would become very ashamed if I showed my fear in front of Peter, the um, the bar, the, the pub owner, or indeed Pepe, the rather attractive... Uh, bar lady who I worked with sometimes so one day the crisps ran out and it was my job to get another box of crisps and stick them under the bar where they lived and so I went into this ante room 
the stockroom, effectively, to get another box of crisps. And these dogs were lying on the floor. And I, I obviously demonstrated severe apprehension non-verbally. And the, bar, and the pub owner shouted to me, just walk on them. Not literally, obviously. He just meant keep walking and they'll move. So I kept walking and they moved and picked up the box of crisps, wiped the sweat off my brow um, and carried on. And for some reason, I've never really twigged this. Um, for some reason, shortly afterwards, I was given the important job of walking the dogs because at 11 o'clock when the pub shut, somebody had to take the dogs out for a walk on Peckham Rye. And... Um, that job was given to me, and I never realised, never worked out whether Peter actually thought he was giving me something useful, because he did. Forced with the requirement to take these three dogs out for a walk, three Alsatians on a lead, you know, again, I was, had this confrontation about whether I should be, how brave I should be. So I did it, a bit like Maggie having to go to the networking event. I did that... And funnily enough, the dogs were so keen to get, go out for a walk after being shut up in the pub for six or seven hours, they couldn't care less who took it out, and they didn't, couldn't care less what my feelings about the subject were. And it was fine. And in fact, one of the dogs was geriatric and wouldn't have hurt a fly, and one of the other dogs, Alsatians, was, was OK. It's true that the third dog was a psychopath, but um, nevertheless, it was fine. So that rather lengthy story which I deliberately told at length to get the full flavour of it and to illustrate the points I'm going to make gives you one basic structure of the story okay Jeremy thank you for that story that was that was fascinating I was I, I was really enjoying that story actually I was hoping it would go on a bit longer but um so tell me now what you did there from a structural point of view that helped me as the listener to enjoy that and to be captivated okay so the, the, fir the first thing the first stage of this model is the introduction. The introduction should really be short, but it can't be non-existent because it has to set the context in which the person listening to you understands what you're talking about. In this case, the introduction was little more than the bit about when I was a small boy, I played with my brothers on the side of the hill. The second stage of the model is where it really gets going, because this is the point at which you get the listener into their feelings. And that's what you really are seeking to do with the story. Because when they're in their feelings, they empathise or are able to empathise with one or more of the characters in the story. And without, doing, without getting into their feelings, they're not likely to remember it. So the exposition was all about playing on the hillside, but with the dog at the top and the dog at the bottom of the hill so that sets a really nice dynamic you know anybody can can imagine what it's like for a small child in an environment where there's a serious threat as they see it at the top and at the bottom they're sort of trapped essentially and so the exposition is is identifying what the problem is and giving some explanation of why it's a problem so in a business context, I could be an IT consultant and the client's problem was that their IT systems uh, were not serving the business, that the staff were up in arms because it was taking so long to do work. They were having to stay behind late, which they 
definitely resented and and so forth and you can really sort of lay it on really just explaining what all the issues were because the more trouble obviously the better as far as your ability to then be seen to be solving it so it's it's really like um, a valley you start at the top the valley and you go right the way down the valley side to the bottom and that is where the story gets fully explained the next stage is what I call the crisis, which is where something happens which really forces the issue. It actually, the word actually comes from Greek, ancient Greek drama, where it simply means turning point. But that is the point of the story, is that there is a turning point. Uh, in the case of the dogs, the turning point was when I was working in the bar, I was forced to go and get this, bag, this box of crisps. And there were these three dogs lying between me and my box of crisps. So... That's it. Whether, whether the bit about the pub is in the crisis part of the model or in the exposition part of the model doesn't really matter. You know, the, the, it's the general emotional drift. So as far as this is concerned, though, the, definitely the, the point of the crisis is having to walk on the dogs. And, it's, and it's, it's, a really interesting, it's a feelings thing. The thing that was stopping me walking on the dogs or forcing me to walk on the dogs, as I chose, was my feelings about what other people would think about me if I didn't do it. It wasn't actually because I felt that the dogs were going to rip me to pieces, because, you know, logic, the logic part of my mind, tells me that's simply not going to be the case, because no pub owner would have psychopathic dogs behind the bar. Um, Well, not many, anyway. So... Essentially, that crisis is the turning point Um, in the story, which is deliberately not about a consultant or a coach or anything. In the story, it's the bar, it's a pub owner who is the person who affects the turning point. So he creates a situation where I have to face my fear, my anxiety by asking me to take three dogs out for a walk on Peckham Rye at 11 o'clock at night. And I should say, if you don't know Peckham Rye, you don't walk on Peckham Rye at 11 o'clock at night without three Alsatians. But the issue, again, is about emotions and feelings, you know, about my strong reluctance to appear to be scared of these dogs. So I didn't have any choice. So we now have these three stages, a short introduction, the exposition which takes the listener downwards into negative emotions of fear and anxiety and oh my god if I was in that position what would I do the crisis is the turning point it's the point where the client gets input from somebody else whether it's a coach or a graphic designer or a bar owner and can move forward and now we get to the fourth stage which is the resolution which is how it works so it works because i get to take these dogs out the dogs only too pleased to be taken for a walk by anybody dogs don't care whether i like them or not actually i should say it was really really curious i I was walking on one of these evenings uh, with these three dogs straining at the leash and um from really quite a long way away somebody shouted out to me keep them off me and I suddenly realised that there were people who were more afraid of Alsatians than I was. And that was actually quite interesting to put my problem in perspective, but that's not really something the bar manager could, um, the pub manager could crane credit for. So the resolution was really 
about what he did to help me with my problem. If if I was the IT consultant, the resolution would be, well, I worked with the, the client to establish what their IT needs really were, uh, to prioritise them, to establish what his budget was, and do all the things up to and including commissioning and, and installing new computer systems. That's how it worked. That's, that's how I helped the client solve their problems. The story about the dogs was how Peter, the, the pub owner, helped me solve my problem. And finally, the fifth part, which is as short as the first part, which is conclusion, which could be as simple as and we all lived happily ever after. Could be, though. Here's a, here's a nice little entree into some other story. And the, and the um, if it's the IT story the company was so pleased with the work i did um that they referred me to their mate down the road and so i got another job out of that so to summarize that then we have five parts of which the second and fourth are by far the longest and most important so we start neutrally with the introduction sets the scene we have the exposition which drops the listener down into lots of negative emotions and uh, enables him to empathise with the troubles that the person you're talking about has. The crisis is your intervention and precisely what triggered it. So that's also a very brief part normally. The fourth part is the opposite of the second. The fourth part is where you're giving the the listener an emotional lift. You're pulling them out, out, out of this place of negativity into the positive uplands of the pleasure that your client had when you finished solving their problem or helping them solve their problem and then finally you just wrap it up nicely and hopefully there's a nice way you can lead on to something else in your conclusion okay jeremy thank you very much for that that was that was very interesting breaking down the story into those five parts and i i think any story can be subject to that sort of structure and of course if it's a good story and has all those elements you know it's going to keep people hooked and as you say hopefully they'll go away from the networking event and they remember you which is the point yes and uh I think somebody once said there are seven different types of story. That's probably true. Structures of stories are have to be simple, otherwise the listener will get lost. Uh, long stories like The Lord of the Rings are just lots of other little stories tied together with perhaps an overarching story covering the whole lot. But you can play with this. You can, you can perhaps decide that you just say, I had this client, they had this problem, it was doing their head in and I help them do X, Y and Z to solve it you know and you perhaps need to have that version of your story a a very short version to go along with the longer version because sometimes you only have a limited amount of time for example in a networking meeting where everybody's got to talk for two minutes but no more about their business you need a very short pungent story to hit home And the final point, which I will just emphasise, is the story does not have to be complete. You don't have to explain everything. In fact, it's to your benefit if the story is incomplete. Because if you've told it well, but incompletely, you will probably hear the other person say, that's interesting, how did you do that? At which point they have given you permission to talk at much greater length which might otherwise be interpreted as you just forcing yourself on them. Okay, that's really interesting. Thank you, Jeremy, once again uh, for that excellent advice and uh, bringing this podcast to a conclusion. We'll be back soon with more. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you.